The stars at night are big and bright. We take the short bus of life, crashing into that wormhole we call pop culture. This is the podcast, the only podcast running on a Super FX chip and coded in blast processing. I'm your host, Edgar Velasco, and with me now is the man who has the heart of Texas. And like they usually say, everything is bigger in Texas. And by this, we mean his huge, gaping donger, Mr. Robert Menes. How are you, Chief? You know the one thing I've lied about? What? There's no basement in the Alamo. Everyone knows there's no basement in the Alamo. And you know, Francis still has your bike. Damn it, Francis! No, but uh, how are you, Robert? I know you were in a little Texas excursion, you know, to celebrate one's union of love while you and I celebrate uh, our sadness and the loneliness in our own hearts. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, let's just say that uh, I got more immersed in Mexican culture than I ever will be in my life right now. You know, it's funny because I saw that you bought like a Santo mask and you visited various shops. Were you able to visit any like old school retro game stores or like video stores and shit? No, I didn't see any while I was down there. But overall, it was still a time to be had because again, you were you were going to celebrate a, a unity of two people, two souls, two bodies becoming as one, as artistically. Yeah, my, well, yeah, my cousin, my cousin got married. Again, that's that's definitely awesome. It's also cool to have the family support and everything, mm-hmm. you know. And of course, you get a trip out of it, you know, by going to Texas. <laughs> Mexican food, Mexican shops, Mexican everything everywhere. Very Tex-Mex, you can say. Well, yeah, that and the big old ribeye joints and all that other fucking shit. Did you have your? What, what ribeye did I have though? I didn't really have any. I think like you know, I I don't know like how much like Mexican food I ate while I was down there. So you didn't have traditional Texas stuff like steak, ribs, and all that other bullshit. Nope. You went. You went. Nope. Little... I, went, I went. I went straight for the land of my cousins. Oh, uh, okay, okay, that's not yeah. bad. Because hey. I'm allowed to. I also have cousins in Mexico. You know how Spanish families are. We've got tons of cousins. Yeah, and sometimes they show up only when you have money. <laughs> yeah. But then again, well, you have food. Food, but mostly if somehow you've acquired a huge chunk of cash. Out of nowhere, relatives come out of the woodwork to, uh, for a nice little handout. Yeah, how about lending your old cousin Zoidberg a few bucks? <laughs> Speaking of bucks, this is a weird segue. Robert, you and I have come from the age of VHS, correct? Yes. Now, we've all had our rituals and our write-up passages. You know, we discussed previously, like, you don't become a person, a savant, or a, or a man. And our time was when we were able to actually... Uh, plug the VCR, have it working, and more importantly, 
actually reset the clock to the actual time. But, you know, one of the things that I realized that I forgot to mention is the little rituals we had during that time, during our usage of, of the VCR. Mind you, you know, right now DVR or in-demand services is everywhere. You don't miss a single episode and whatnot. But in our time, the struggle was real to be able to either convince our relatives, you know, to program a specific chant, you know, a specific program at a specific time of day to make sure that we don't miss it so we can enjoy it once we get home from school or summer vacation or whatnot. You know, we, we recorded in VCRs and, you know, some of us were lucky enough to have those VCRs that we put timers and were able to record stuff on time, you know, when it started and when it ended, which was a difficult task to explain as is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, if we ever visit our relatives or family members, we are dumbfounded to discover, like, the many things we recorded on a simple 100-minute 120 minute or even three hour, you know, VHS tape. You know, there, there, there will be that time that you visit relatives long lost, you know, you know, uh, grandpa, grandma, maybe sister, brother, whatever, and you encounter this, you know, uh, this magical lock box, you know, be it, be it some, uh, a, a nice brown box located in the attic or in the garage or in storage or at a relative's house, like I mentioned, but, the yeah. discovery of finding the, v, the, 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 the VHS tape of whatever it was and then deciding, you know, taking that risk and finding out what was in it in terms of like that, that, that you know, that oh. weird Pandora's box, you know, discovery. Like Indiana oh, Jones. God. Unlabeled, unlabeled tapes and you don't know what they are and they could be really embarrassing home movies and you put them on and it's like, oh, look, your parents took a pic, you know, they took a home movie of you taking a bath or something. And no, you're like what? No, but even then, that's okay. That's fine because again, your first child and or even second child, it, it's stuff. It's stuff to document. Oh yeah, they want to capture every moment. But they'd be like, you know, why did you record that? That's embarrassing. Yeah, but again, it's it's acceptable now, and it's not embarrassing, as in you know where. But I'm talking about when you recorded specific shows, like mm-hmm. Robert. Again, you we've all owned VCRs. What would you say if I ever decide to go to your attic or whatever and I find this whole slew of VHS tapes? Uh, out of every tape, what would you say was the most recorded show uh, that you had in, you would have in your VHS library? Like what type of programming or like what cartoon show like you literally almost documented to like a savant level where like you, you know, you had to record every episode so you can have it to watch whenever you want it. Okay, well, probably not going to be cartoons, because most of the stuff that I did tape was live-action stuff. You never did the cartoon thing, especially when you were Once going to school? Once in a while I did. Once in a while I did, but you know what show I taped religiously? Because what? Because usually we weren't home on Saturdays to watch it. What? Star Trek The Next Generation. Really? Uh, but it was on 7, a. Uh, 7 p.m. every Saturday. But usually, like, we were out, like, you know, we'd be like... We'd be shopping till late, or we'd be eating dinner out or whatever. So it's like every time that we were going to be out on Saturday, just to be on the safe side, I'd timer record the VCR so that I could catch it, you know, watch it later. Really? Because I, I never wanted to miss an episode, ever. That's true, because during its heyday, the reruns were run in the afternoon, and, you know, there yeah. was probably other and stuff. And you want to be home, 
And, you know, like, when they used to have, like, you know, they had some of the story arcs in the later seasons, and you're like, shit, I can't miss this week's episode because it's going to probably explain something in a later episode. Or like, oh my god, the I need to, it's a special, it's an episode featuring Q. I need to record this shit because it's oh, got to yeah, be you weird. Gotta, you got to have the Q episodes. Really? See, I would have figured you out to be someone that would also record cartoons because if I ever, you know, visit my mom, you know, or, you know, take some tapes out of storage, I know for the most part, it was a lot of cartoons. Well, I guess if I want to say any one cartoon I had to record, had to be Batman the Animated Series. See, like that. But would you say that you you had a good chunk of episodes, like a good the entire Fox 5 run, <laughs> including the WB run? I or, think I had the entire run of season one. Really? Now that I, think I had all... the entire run of season one, and I think I had a run of season two, like a fair run of season two. Oh, okay, okay, that's cool, that's cool. Yeah, because like looking, like I would look at tapes, or you know, I remember start remembering the stuff I used to record, and I realized that it was mostly cartoons, o occasional movies, but of course there were the Channel Eleven, you know. Yeah, and then were... for TV ones, and then, you know, the first one I ever saw like that was Spaceballs. Like, that was my first time ever watching Spaceballs, was, yeah, edited for TV. And then what happens? Of course, I buy the real movie later on, and I'm like, wait, where is this part? Where was this part? Where was this part? Where was this part? But also, there were some movies that sometimes, you know, because of the copyright or the rights holder, whatever, only allowed yeah. to air what that show, that movie. That, especially that movie, one. maybe one time only on TV, and then you would mm -hmm. never see it again for maybe a couple of years down the line. So unless you actually found it, on, yeah, unless you actually found it on like VHS, you know, a, a legitimate one. I mean, no, no, yeah, uh, from the actual company. But for the most part, some movies aired maybe their rotation wasn't as heavy as many movies. So sometimes you would record it, you know, in commercials included, because at least you know the power of fast forward, which you know it's yeah. still available, and you know you know, all these DVRs and shit like that. But, like, for me, it was mostly a lot of, like, Beavis and Butthead. Uh, it was a lot of Nickelodeon, mostly Ren and Stimpy. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know... Well, yeah, uh, I remember I did record a couple of Ren and Stimpys. Yeah, because, again, there were certain episodes that weren't rerun as much as, you know, the episodes they mm -hmm. did rerun. Or or the ones that they, that they did rerun that sometimes you would notice, like, they actually cut portions out. Aha, uh -huh. and that's... Yeah, because also they did... They did the editing direct on the masters, as opposed to you know make a copy of the master and then edit that. Yeah. So so one time, so sometimes when that episode or whatever of that cartoon or movie whatever would debut, like is for the first time ever on television, watch it. Like okay, you got away with a lot of stuff, but then when it starts doing the heavy rotation on you know on syndication or you know reruns when they were actually rerun that episode, you realize that wait they cut out a scene like. Mm -hmm. certain Simpsons episodes, the early, you know, the first 10 seasons, like, you can actually watch some episodes and notice, like, wait, I recalled a scene being here before it went to this transition, you know, because mm -hmm. they would only, because they aired it once, and then during the, you know, rerun rotation, they would have to edit it because they either figure out, oh, it's not going to air on this network that way, or B is like, oh, we need to cut it for time. Yeah, or or it's something like, holy shit, I didn't notice that was there before, and the censor suddenly say, yeah, get that scene out. Yeah, uh, one of the one of the episodes I keep mentioning is, um, you know, the Simpsons episode where Gabo come is introduced, Gabo yeah. that replaces uh, Itchy and Scratchy in a uh, Krusty show. There is a scene where they see the billboards, and Mr. Burns stops stops in one of the billboards and says, 
oh, Gabo is coming. Now, if you watch that episode on any other network in a rerun, you they either take that entire line out or they redub, they get the actor to redub the line and he says, oh, Gabo is coming to correct it. Even though the, the, thing, the whole thing was like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't forget what the joke was. Because he but said yeah, Gabo. I remember that. I don't even think the DVD has that original scene anymore either. Uh, yeah, the DVD does have it, including the restored scenes that they took out because of time restraints. Oh, yeah, like all the deleted scenes, right? Yeah, yeah, and certain scenes, again, you remember watching that first time, but then when they rerun it, like, wait, I do recall being, something else being in this line here. Yeah, because I remember, like, you know, um, what was it, Red and Simpy, the originals? You know, I remember, like, the masters were permanently altered. Mm, yeah, because... Uh, oh, but then, like, when they tried to do, like, the cut scenes... Um, one of the early DVD packs of that, I remember, like, they were taking them out of Workman's prints. Like, you actually saw, like, the Workman timer Yeah, they yeah, were yeah. doing editing still on screen. Like, they didn't even bother getting rid of that. Yeah, like, um, the first episode of Ren and Stimpy, you know, the doghouse and stuff like that, where Ren is sleeping on Stimpy as a pillow, there's a scene that follows that, you know, Ren is caressing Stimpy because he's having, you know, a dream that he's making out with a hot, you know, a hot, hot bitch. Yeah. And he's about to kiss him before he sees it, Stimpy wakes up and sees it, Stimpy, and then screams at it. Screams at him. You see oh, that yeah. scene in the actual like opening, you know, the opening, o- yeah, the opening cut. But they don't show that in the actual when you watch the reruns. But again, the DVD does have that restored scene. But you are right; it's taken from another print. So it yeah. when that scene is put into the actual, you can see like yeah, raininess. Yeah, like, the, the workman's editor timer on the top. Or again. You can see the differentiation between the the how the cinematography looked and then how grainy that footage you know spliced in was. Oh yeah, because I saw another one too was um the episode with his cousin Sven. Ah. Uh, you know, yeah, they, the scene where Ren was like so furious that he was like going over everything he was gonna do to Stimpy and Sven. Yes, and, and there's one an of the ad- scenes that he spliced in was off of a workman's print, and I remember that. Yeah, because it, it was significantly grainier and zoomed somewhat in. And, of course, the timer was on top. And it's like, I kind of felt like what they did felt really, like, cheap and kind of like a cop-out. Yeah, but you also got to remember that that's probably the only way you're going to get that scene in there. And also, like, we don't have... I guess, like, it did not survive any kind of... Like, it was cut before it was even finalized. Well, again, Nickelodeon has the last say to see what's in and what's out. So, you know, it, it happens. I'm just glad it's still there. But in terms of, like recording stuff from tv like there's still like a whole like if it wasn't for that little invention of recording stuff off your tv we wouldn't have those certain episodes of mystery science theater 3000 like again as i aforementioned before like there some of the contracts or the right holders to the specific movie they would riff would only allow one but one showing and one showing only yeah Yeah. you know we got like yeah because they had to pay they would have to pay for it like every time it was rerun on TV. Exactly. So sometimes that one particular film or movie, you know, whatever, would only be aired that one time during its day and then never rerun. Hence why we would have the certain reruns were only particular episodes that they would allow. But, you know, again, thanks to the invention of the VCR, people were able to record that episode and post it, at, post it you know, on YouTube or whatever it was. Yeah. Or, like, you know, like they or, said... Or like- yeah, bootleg, you know, bootleg distribution of the VHS tape. Keep spreading the tapes was one of their taglines because yep. they knew, yep. you know, they wanted yeah, it. Yeah, because they knew eventually, like, you know, they'd have to pay royalties to 
you know, the producers in the movie, the director, and, like, everybody involved in that movie, because basically, like, most of those contracts say, like, you know, every time you run the movie, you know, the people involved in making the movie, they gotta get a cut of the royalties. Yeah, hence why, yeah, you know, fucking... Hence why people say that the live-action Street Fighter film is a piece of garbage. But guess what? Anytime it airs on TV, Capcom, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and whoever the living relatives of Raul Julia are still around, they get a nice... They get some money from it. Yeah. You know, they get a nice little a nice yeah. little check. It might not be enough. Yeah, and they, well, they also get some, too, from, like, DVD sales. Exactly. Oh, God. The the fucking Jack Nicholson fiasco when he... You know, the, bat, the whole Batman movie deal. I mean... That oh, motherfucker yeah, made it. Twenty percent of the gross profits, or something, of the box office. Yeah, and then including you know VHS tapes, and then later on DVD sales, and even Blu-ray now. Yeah, like any any home video release, basically. Yeah, you know, gross profit off of that, like you know, gross royalty off of that. So like you know, Jack Nicholson is guaranteed like uh, fifteen or twenty percent of all total sales of video sales. Yeah. So it's like he's rolling in jo- he's rolling in dough. He's got plenty to give away at that next hall- at the next Gotham party. Which is funny because I know it was rumored many years ago that he had an idea of how to bring back the Joker so he can reprise his role. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was in that un- that canceled fifth movie, right? Yes, that he, you know, Jack Nicholson was in talks and even suggested like, hey, I got a good idea how to bring back the Joker and so I can reprise the role. Although, yeah, people were like, oh my God, how is this? This is this sounds great. But in reality, it was like, yeah, um, now that they're going to recast and rehire new people, you know, I'm not going to get that much money like I used to. So, like, oh, yeah. if I do it again, I'll still be in that, you know, I won't be, I'll still be within the fine lines of that contract I originally signed, so I'll get even more money. Exactly. But, um, yeah, I remember the whole thing, what I think was, um, you know, he was going to be a hallucination that Batman saw from the from the Scarecrow's um, toxic gas. Yes, that was the story because it was originally yeah. Yeah, if Batman and Robin was successful, it would have been, I think, what, Nicolas Cage would have been the Scarecrow or something like that. I forgot who was going to be the Scarecrow, but yeah, some something like that. But anyway, you know, the whole thing about also recording stuff and preserving it reminds me of something that, of course, like, you know, I do like to follow and I do like to see, like, these continue to get found and brought back. Okay, the classic run of Doctor Who. Now, so, yeah, I heard... now. It, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but I heard that BBC taped over those original 60s episodes. Hence okay. why, hence why, you know, whenever they have, they try to have DVD, you know, releases of those original episodes, they could only get specific episodes because a good chunk of the entire run, they taped over or destroyed the tapes. What was that? Yeah, that, that's basically, yeah. What happened there was that, you know, back in the 60s, like, they would run the episodes pretty much once. Yeah. And then they put the tapes, you know, like, they put the tapes in the storage. Mm-hmm. The whole reason why they did not want to rerun it was this clause where, like, every time you ran it on TV, you'd have to pay the directors, the producers, the actors, pretty much everybody involved. And the BBC, you know, did not have that kind of money. They were, like, the PBS of England. So yeah. they were running on, like, public funds. Exactly. So what they used to do, too, was they felt that, there was going to be no market for people wanting to see these things. They're going to just want to watch strictly new stuff. So they would like ship off the episodes to overseas markets, let you know other countries get them to run on TV in their local areas. Mm-hmm. But what they would do with the masters is, yeah, either use the tapes over again or outright destroy them. 
Which and is... what happened was that in the 70s, when they started realizing the Doctor Who was very popular, mm -hmm. they're like, holy shit, we shouldn't be destroying these. They started making that effort in the 70s to start archiving everything. Yeah, so but... they, you know, what began was a mad scramble to start collecting back tapes that they either sold off to foreign markets, collect them back, or try to go through whatever they had and try to piece together all of these serials again. But it's kind of is difficult when a good yeah. portion of the early episodes, you know, are missing. Exactly. So for the collector yeah. or a person that wants to watch the entire original run, at least from that <laughs> era, you know, will be feeling shortchanged. You know, unlike, you know, the 80s and maybe the mid-70s yeah. reincarnations because, in the current yeah, reincarnation. Yeah, like from the fourth Doctor onward, the BBC was really good about preserving everything. But again, I no. guess I guess that's why mistakes need to happen so you can learn. But it does yeah. suck for those collectors and those hardcore fans who want to watch literally the first like season. Two doctors were really the ones that were hit the most. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. like, because the third doctor, all of his stories exist. Like they all still exist in the archives, and from him onward, every episode still exists. But the first two doctors were the ones that were hit the hardest, particularly the second doctor serials, mm -hmm. because what. At least, like, the BBC had, which thankfully a lot of people did, was that, you know, before the advent of VCRs in the home or, like, any kind of affordable home recording system, what people used to do yeah. was they used to take, like, um, tape recorders or, like, any another kind of audio recording machine, mm -hmm. put the microphone up to the TV, the TV speaker, yeah. hit record, record all the audio. Thankfully, like, what people used to do is, like, after that, like, the BBC used to start collecting those from fans. Mm -hmm. And they were using them as a basis to put them out on CD with, like, overlaying narration by, like, one of the actors involved in the serial mm -hmm. and sell them on CD. So, basically... And now another thing that they're doing it, yeah, another thing that they're doing is that they're using that audio and they're having some animation studios recreate the missing episodes as animated episodes and just using those as a soundtrack. Yeah, but that's uh, that seems like there's still a lot of effort in terms of you know, just being able to produce something from a time long forgotten, I guess. Yeah, but you know what, though? it's I think it's worth the effort in their cases because what happens otherwise is that nobody will ever see these episodes otherwise or even know that they exist. Well, unless you're... I think you're... what the BBC is trying to do is preserve their history. No, no, but still, it definitely, it, it definitely is something in terms of, like, you know, because it's all about preservation of the past, you know, and... Mm -hmm. For me, VHS is a good chunk. I mean, there's not a day. I mean, again, the big, the biggest news for us was, you know, Toys R Us finally, you know, closing its doors forever. Yeah. And one of the things that is very fortunate for many of people that they can just go to any video streaming site, you know, YouTube, Daily Motion, or whatever. And yeah, just they'll see those old commercials again. And see those old commercials, but not just Toys R Us and everything else. And, you know, I've seen my fair share of people posting, like, old commercials of Toys R Us reminiscing of that time. You know, I'm not going to get into it in terms of, like, you know, like, hey, it closed down because you guys didn't go to the actual stores. And then when it closes, you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to go there to celebrate. Or, like, oh, I haven't been there in years. I should do it to, to remember it. Like, you should have gone when it was open and maybe it could have lasted. Uh, but yeah. th that's a that's a different story altogether. But mm -hmm. you know, but at the time, it's you know it, it's good to know that there's still those things there. You know, there, there's a way to remember it. 
to you know for future generations or just you know feel nostalgia's sake in terms like that but it definitely it it, it it's funny that they are now Toys R Us is officially closing everybody's taking pictures you know getting the last bit of what they can to remember it yeah. and then fucking KB like a fucking thief of the night says hey guess what we're gonna fucking we're coming back motherfucker oh god I saw that KB is rising from the ashes motherfucker there's another one too like you can just go on YouTube and you see like all the old commercials for KB toys as well there yeah but you also gotta remember that fucking KB's toy stores what is the lesser Toys R Us? And then by that, lesser in terms of certain quality items, lesser in terms of customer service with their fucking shitty employees, and just overall knowledge. I mean, how is it that fucking, you know, like, the only thing that was worth going to KB was their clearance bins. Because occasionally oh, yeah. you would find a nice, cool thing in there. Now, I remember going to um, KB, like their clearance bins, like you were talking about, when the 8 and 16-bit eras of um, video games were just fading fast. Yeah. And you could just go in there, and you could just be like, holy shit, $6 NES games. Grab what's in there, and hey, guess what I got out of that? I got Star Tropics 1 and 2. Yeah, although at times, like I said many, many times before, sometimes you would look at a toy that's been out there for like 7 years, and they would still charge like the first day price. Yeah. You know, they had the discount racks that's like not quite the discount racks at the same time. Yeah, it's definitely something, but it's good, you know, the, the concept of recording movies and television programs, especially like certain, like, like we said many times before, those after school specials or whatever, like because of the invention of that, you know, the VCR, people were able to record these and then now they're going through their junk piles or their storage bins and like what the fuck did i record this shit i need to share it with the world to see how stupid this is you know oh my god and, and then you like yeah you look at the commercials that are on there and you're like oh my god this place oh my god this other place oh my god while we're talking at this very moment guess what i just found on youtube what a funko land training video and again there's stuff that you find everywhere now because you know like people who used to work there maybe stole the tape or former managers or again the store closed so they had to sell the assets and someone yeah. you know or, or these are like things that are like probably like in the employee room and somebody's just like they took it home with them and they're like years later they're like holy shit i have this let me digitize this fucker you know and again i've seen many training videos from burger king to you know how to be a nintendo repair representative you know how to like recommend people or how to you know hook it hook the system up correctly tell them how to make sure it works properly and more importantly you know like how to recommend people so they can continue coming to your shop you know so they can get help in terms of buying it like i there's a lot and some of these fucking training videos are downright fucking hilarious like oh, again God. i used to work at blockbuster i ran a store and i yeah. in in one of those training videos like is downright hilarious that people think, you know what's funny about these training videos, you know, when you, you know, for applying for a job or how, what is expected of you when you work, you know, represent that brand. Like some of these videos are downright, like, like oh, the yeah, cringe, goofy. the cringe factor is real. Like what multi-million dollar company decides to pay some executive firm, some like some firm to make a training video. And the first thing you see is 
the most rhythmless people in the world break into a rap about the the the, the, st the stuff they offer, the stuff they sell, and the, the the kind of things you need to do on a daily basis working at that job. I know the the, the Funko Land training video. I mean, like, I'm not going to put it on because um, you know, the sound obviously. Because we're an audio podcast, Robert. Duh. I know, but I don't want the sound to overlay us. But I'm going to just read the description really yeah. quickly. Part one of Funkoland, now called GameStop training video circa 1998, Jesus reveals Christ. the game's sales process and why you are offered a cleaning kit with every purchase. Jesus Christ. And yeah, because I, I remember Funkoland used to do the same thing after a while. Hey, do you want to buy a cleaning kit with your console? No, I don't, asshole. If I wanted one, I'd ask for one. Exactly, but like how to approach them and how to do that, which is hilarious sometimes. But Oh, it, well, sorry, go on. No, but it's the fact that, you know, these things exist. There there are a moment of our time, but also to see how distant certain corporations are from the actual people and, you know, what they think, I guess, of their employees or their practices. I know. Some of these training videos. Here's another one that, I'm saw, that I found out, too. What? This one's right up your alley. What? Blockbuster training video circa 1990. Well, I was a little late into that. But I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that literally is the same tape. Because, again, some of these companies, they never would update their tapes or anything. So you would be, it's like 2001 or even the mid-90s, and you would be watching a video from something from the mid-70s or early 80s. Oh, yeah. You know, they, yeah, because it's like these training tapes are probably never updated in years. Like, yeah, like they record once and then just send it off, and we're done. Yeah, like um, and those cool '80s computer effects too, and the bad uh, like friggin' techno music. But the thing I remember is oh, no, no, that techno music. That's like that's like the vaporwave basis shit music. I remember going to my five-hour class of driver's ed. You know when I, you know, because you drive, and then the last stop thing to do is to make sure you go take that five-hour class. I remember like it was literally like 2000 and something. Like, I think 2002. And they sat us down to watch a video. And the video was something like off the mid-70s. And it starred like a post-Superman Christopher Reeve. Oh my god, are you serious? Yes. Like literally Superman 2 or... No, Superman 3 era Christopher Reeve as he's about to, you know, finance and direct part 4. Oh my god. Uh, like, who the hell actually convinced him to do this? Exactly, but then it's just hilarious because, you know, it's true. Some of these training videos would be from many years ago, but they would still enforce them, even though, again, times change, business practices change occasionally, people's attitudes change. So, like, you're looking at this video from 1975, and you're, like, in the mid, and it's the mid-2000s, and, like, what the fuck does this have to do with anything happening now? Exactly. It's just, like, you know, they're like time cancel. They're like time capsules in and of themselves. It's just hilarious to see like what they look like. You know, the people inside of them too. That's like, hi! In this training video, I will teach you how to be the very best at this position that you probably are going to quit within six months. Exactly, or like people who just don't give two shits. It's yeah. hilarious like that the overly blown enthusiasm is just fucking golden. Exactly, exactly. It doesn't really help much. But it's funny because, again, just in that aspect, is that they, these companies try to enforce 
these things, you know, how to follow proper procedures is what we offer, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, this is from the 70s. This guy's got a fucking mullet and he's talking about bands and groups that don't exist anymore. It's like, you know, and it's like kids watching these things. Are, it's just like, you know, trying to ask their parents, like, who the hell is this? What is this they're talking about? I don't understand any of this. Exactly, exactly. It's hilarious. But again, it's, uh, you know, because of the VCR and people being able to discover these lost, you know, fucking tombs of, you know, their memories, you can see that, like, you know, it's fun to look back. You know, about that and see, like, Jesus Christ, this was a cringy moment in my life. Or more important, like, holy crap, these things really happened. These things were real. Yeah. You know, lo looking at these videos, you know, like, oh, my God. I remember, like, the oh, God, I wonder if I can find, like, the old um, software, et cetera, training video. Dude, if you look hard enough, you can find it without any problems. Oh, God, because I remember I had to watch the training video. For software, etc. Oh dear God, software, etc. That does not help any which way. Yeah, no. Oh my God, yes, there is. There is one up here. Of course, there is, and I knew there was gonna be it. But in, yep. you know, in closing, it's always good to go, you know, look back at memory lane and know that, you know, re preservation of the past is still exists, and that you we can yep. look at look back at it and laugh, and more importantly, mm -hmm. be able to. You know, find countless and still countless of untapped, you know, entertainment of things that we didn't even know about existed. Yeah. Preservation. I mean, it's like preservation is both a blessing and sometimes it is a curse because you're like, we're keeping all of this safe for future generations. But at the same time, we look at it and we're like, dear God, we actually used to watch this or dear God, we actually had to go through this. Exactly. And it's definitely yeah. something. But uh, if people... Well, I did want to end really quickly. Speaking of preservation, I have one last to talk about. Go ahead. Okay. Um, speaking of preservation, the Internet Archive now has a little thing called Handheld History. They're actually preserving all those old Tiger LCD handhelds, those old ColecoVision tabletop games with the VFV, you know, the vacuum fluorescent displays. Oh, God. You know, old LED games. Hey, Speak and Spell is up there. All those old Tiger games, all those Konami handhelds, they're all up there, fully playable. Well, again, if people have the time and knowing the internet, they'll have plenty of time. And yeah. Hey, it's like, hey, you can play um, Altered Beast, the Tiger Altered Beast again. Oh, God, dear God, let's not. But No, if, it, it, it's fun. Yeah. And goofy. And, but if people want to contact you in terms of, you know, finding out more or maybe, good, you know, recommendations of what to look through in the internet in terms of, recorded video things of the past, how can they do that? Um, find me on the Facebook group or find me on Twitter at Lambda Calculus. That's L-A-M-B-D-A-C-A-L-C-U-L-U-S. And our official Twitter is at MRoadTripCast. And, of course, our website is NostalgiaRoadTrip.com. Always, always awesome. Killing brain cells, educating, and just doing stuff. But till then, my friend, it's been a pleasure. It's been fun. And I'll definitely see you next time. And now, it's time to play the Tiger version of Apollo 13.